Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about the program, podcast, and the book Tactics when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael and part three of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about true love. If one member suffers, 26 of chapter 12, all the members suffer with it, speaking of the body. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice or take part in another's joy to congratulate that part. They rejoice with it. Now you, brethren, you are Christ's body. Individually, you are members of it. And God has appointed in the church, in the body of Christ, first, apostles, 1228, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles. These are some of the gifts we saw in verses 8 through 11. Then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Paul says in 29, chapter 12, all are not apostles, are they? The answer to each of these rhetorical questions is no, because we already know that in chapter 12, verse 11, Paul said that the Holy Spirit has designed the body with diversity. The hand is different from the eye. The foot is different from the arm, etc., etc. And he continues the thought with roles in the church and gifts in the church. He says, all are not apostles. The obvious answer is no. All are not prophets, are they? Answer, no. There's diversity in the body. All are not teachers, are they? The answer is no. All are not workers of miracles, are they? Answer, no. All do not have gifts of healings, do they? The answer is no. All do not speak with tongues, do they? This is the gift that they've elevated as the most important. All do not interpret, do they? Answer is no, no, no. The main purpose of this list and this context is to lead up to the concluding rhetorical questions whose form in Greek, says D.A. Carson, indicates that Paul expects, expects a firm negative after each one. All are not apostles. All are not teachers. All do not work miracles because the main thrust of the argument is a diversity in expression of the body. Not all have the same role. We're not cookie-cutter Christians. The apostles laid the foundation of the church. Apostles and prophets, Ephesians 2.20. Paul went into Corinth and founded the church. They didn't need two Pauls. They needed the body to express its diversity in calling and gifts and offices. That's what Paul is saying. So not everybody is going to have the same gift. And there's a reason for that. Because we need the diversity to complete the picture of the body. Amen? That's what Paul is saying. So you may have somebody say to you, well, I believe that every person can have this gift, whatever gift you're talking about, this particular uh, manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And I say to you, if you look at these verses I just read, that's false. Not everybody has these gifts because the body is by nature designed to be diverse and complementary. Though we are not, uh, though we are not an eye or a foot, we're not cookie-cutter Christians, Yet we need each other. I'm reading from my notes. Paul was an apostle chosen, called, and commissioned by Christ, Acts chapter 9. He planted the church. You could say he was first in planting of the church and spoke with apostolic authority. But uh, he appeals to this authority in the letters to the Corinthians 
Even though they're questioning the authority, he continues to appeal to it, not for tearing them down, but for building them up. If you're taking notes, you can look at 2 Corinthians 10.8, 13.10, and 1 Corinthians 8.1. Paul was an apostle. Prophets were part of the foundation of the overall church, Ephesians 2.20, and some in the first century had operated in that role. Apostles refer to the witnesses of the resurrection who were specially called out by God and appear to be a closed circle. This is from Garland, a commentator. Anyone can potentially become a prophet, but some functioned regularly in this way, in the assembly and became known as prophets. Christian prophets appear in the book of Acts, predicting the future, Acts 11, 28 and 21, 10. Also serving as teachers and encouragers, 13, 1 of Acts, 15, 32 and 21, 9. So I want to be careful with this gift of prophecy because I know that many of you have questions and it's been confusing and perhaps abused. The canon of Scripture, the 66 books of the Bible, is closed. There is going to be no more Scripture given. We have everything we need in our Bibles. But sometimes someone can be prophetic. What do you mean, Pastor Michael? I mean this. Sometimes the Holy Spirit can give you a word in a moment that can edify somebody that can comfort them in a situation. And I have found, and I'll talk more about this when we get to chapter 14, that when the Lord uses me to be prophetic in that sense, it's a word that brings comfort or uh, exhortation or consolation to an individual, usually through quoting a Bible verse that the Lord shows me to give to somebody else. Amen? So in that sense, we can all be prophetic, if you will. And I'll talk more about how that's going to work. None of us are going to be writing uh, inspired scripture. That canon is closed. The Bible is done. It's been written. It's over. But sometimes I'm up here and I get a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. And it's not nothing I prepared. And someone may come up to me and say, Pastor Michael, that's exactly what I needed to hear. I'm going through that very thing. How did you know? And I usually respond by saying, I follow you all week long. That's how I know. I've bugged your phone. I've got one of those trackers on your vehicle. No. So the Holy Spirit can move in that way, but we want to be careful about how we understand these things. Teachers in this list that we just read appear in Romans 12:7 and Ephesians 4:11 for the building up and equipping of the body of Christ. Paul mentions other gifts that we've already studied here. He mentions miracles, healings, tongues, Helps or helpful deeds appear only here in the New Testament. Paul uses it for helping the weak. And he uses the idea of administrations here at the end of chapter 12. Acts of guidance. It's used for piloting a ship. David Garland says it speaks of setting direction, guiding a community, not just employing administrative skills. It could speak to church strategy so that it helps Head the church in the right direction if you have this gift of administrations. Once again, he says, tongues is listed last, probably not because it is the least of all gifts, but because it is the problem in the Corinthian church that's bringing division. If you look at the end of uh, chapter 12, Paul says, earnestly desire the greater gifts, and he's going to talk about prophecy being the greatest, and I show you still a more excellent way. Earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Now, if the Holy Spirit is the one who gives the gifts, how do I desire gifts that he administrates sovereignly by his will? 
Well, this is where sovereignty, the sovereignty of God and free will come in. I believe you can desire the gifts. It doesn't say here to pray for gifts, although I don't see anything out of bounds about that. But ultimately, here's what I would ask you. Do you desire spiritual gifts? Is your passion to say to the Lord, Lord, if you're calling me into this area, then please gift me for that. I believe the Lord will. But is that your desire? Have you ever said to the Lord, Lord, I desire every spiritual gift that you want to give me that will bring you glory and help me to accomplish your will. Please grant me those gifts. I desire them. Now, God is still sovereign and he'll decide what gifts you get. But I do think that the Lord honors zealousness. Amen. Keep knocking at the door. I want this gift. I want to be more effective in evangelism, Lord. Give me boldness. I believe that the Lord will hear and honor the prayers according to his will. But remember, the end of chapter 12 says we have to be shown the more excellent way, and the more excellent way is the way of love. And so I, I sat back at some moments this week. He says, I will show you still a more excellent way, and I, my prayer became, Lord, show me how to love. In a previous study, uh, I shared with you that I was talking about prayer and I just felt myself having to pause and say, Lord, teach me how to pray. Well, now I'm saying, Lord, teach me how to love. Because I can think I'm doing well. I can check some boxes. I can measure things the way I think or perceive myself in a certain way. But, but the real measure is not my own self-assessment. It's how God sees me. And I need to be shown the way of love and for many of you, you grew up in situations where nobody even said they loved you. <laughs> you know, they'd tap you on the shoulder like, yeah, 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 yeah. Tap you on the head. Some of you grew up in environments where I love you was not repeated, not spoken. And some of you may even think this morning that it's given away too flippantly by some people. I love you. What does that really mean? And some of you are a little gun shy because someone expressed love to you and then they pulled it back and you feel like the rug got pulled out from under you. Christianity is not about possessing certain grace gifts. It's about a way of life. Paul is talking about love. If you get nothing else from this message, please write this down. Paul is saying that love is a way of life. And love is often, biblical love is often contra my way. It's often the, not the way that I'm bent to go. But love is to be my way. And I'm, I have to be shown the way of love. Jesus says in John 15, 12, and 13, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. John 15, 12, and 13. Greater love, agapeo, has no one than this, that one do what? Lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus goes on to say, and you are my friends if you do what I command you. Don't sit there and tell me you love me and then don't do what I say. If you love me, then you will obey me. And so more and more, my love is measured by my obedience to Christ. 1 Corinthians 13 is a beautiful piece of literature, but it is a lifestyle. It is the ultimate corrective 
This is how we know what love is. We look no further than the cross where God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Our mission here at Walk in Truth is to equip you with the Word of God and to give you the tools to express your Christian faith. But how do you initiate conversations effortlessly? Walk in Truth and Pastor Michael Lance would like to offer you the 10th anniversary edition of Tactics, a game plan for discussing your Christian convictions by Greg Kokel. This is how to navigate a conversation to build a bridge from a conversation to get to spiritual truths and to get to the gospel. We are offering the book Tactics as a thank you when you give a donation of $20 or more to Walk in Truth. Visit walkintruth.com, click the donate button, or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's walkintruth.com or 844-48-TRUTH. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. Some of you grew up in environments where I love you was not repeated, not spoken. Some of you may even think this morning that it's given away too flippantly by some people. I love you. What does that really mean? And some of you are a little gun shy because someone expressed love to you and then they pulled it back and you feel like the rug got pulled out from under you. Christianity is not about possessing certain grace gifts It's about a way of life. Paul is talking about love. If you get nothing else from this message, please write this down. Paul is saying that love is a way of life. And love is often, biblical love is often contra my way. It's often not the way that I'm bent to go, but love is to be my way. And I'm I have to be shown the way of love. Jesus says in John 15, 12, and 13, this is my commandment that you love one another just as I have loved you. John 15, 12, and 13. Greater love, agapeo, has no one than this, that one do what? Lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus goes on to say, and you are my friends if you do what I command you. Don't sit there and tell me you love me and then don't do what I say. If you love me, then you will obey me. And so more and more, my love is measured by my obedience to Christ. 1 Corinthians 13 is a beautiful piece of literature, but it is a lifestyle. It is the ultimate corrective This is how we know what love is. We look no further than the cross where God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ 
died for us. That's when God expressed his love on the cross, put it on display literally, is when you were a sinner, an enemy of God. And oftentimes we only give love when we feel someone's worthy of it. That is not biblical love. And that's why Christianity is so different from the world. And that's why it's so hard. Because God is calling you to love those who are hard to love. And you may be sitting next to them right now. Go ahead, just softly. No, don't do it. But here's the truth of the matter. The truth of the matter is sometimes the hardest person to love is the person I spend every day with. Because it's in tight quarters and it's, and it's every day and it's the good, the bad, and the ugly, bad hair days, drool stuck to the side of the mouth, things on the face. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? I don't always get what I want, when I want it, how I want it, in the way that I think it should be expressed. Now what do I do? Do I turn my cold shoulder? Yeah. Or do I love despite that? Does, love, does the love of God come your way when you're doing great? Does God love you conditionally like that? Does he say, I'll love you, but here's the strings? No. This is what we celebrate. I was reading about a child's view of love and some children were asked, what is love? One little girl answered, love is when your mommy reads you a bedtime story. True love is when she doesn't skip any of the pages. <laughs> love is not an idea for Paul. It's not even a motivating factor for behavior. It is behavior. To love is to act. Anything short of action is not love at all. When you love in this way, I'm sure you've probably noticed, love eventually finds its way back to you, though. And we don't love this way just to get something back, right? Oh, if I do this for her, then, then she'll do this for me. That shouldn't be your motive, because then that's selfishness anyway. However... If you love the way you're supposed to love, it inevitably comes back to you. A heart is not judged by how much you love, but by how much you are loved by other, others. And you can name the movie The Wizard of Oz. And so, as Pastor Michael realizes that we're already well close to our time to finish, <laughs> let me just touch on verse 1. Paul, using a conditional clause, says, if I, I want you to notice the I there. You may have skipped over it in the past. If I probably is autobiographical. Here's what I mean. I mean the I here is probably Paul. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Now remember, the gift of tongues was the biggest problem in the Corinthian congregation. If I speak with the tongues, glossa, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit, as we've mentioned, of men and of angels. Let's say that I could speak a heavenly language, but do not have love. What have I become? I become a noisy gong, echo in Greek. It's to make a loud noise, a noisy gong, or a clanging cymbal. Now, I grew up playing the drums. I appreciate drummers. 
But if a drummer is just hitting a cymbal, at some point, you're like, stop. That's what my grandmother used to do when I had a drum set in the upstairs bedroom. She'd say, Michael, what's with all the noise upstairs? And I'd say, I'm playing the drums. You're not up playing the drums. All I hear is the ba-boom, the ba-boom, the ba-boom. Play something. And I said, I am, Grandma. <laughs> and Grandma was quoting 1 Corinthians 13.1. It's a whole lot of noise. That's all it is. He begins with the gift that they most eleva elevated in the Corinthian congregation. Paul is not devaluing the gift. He speaks in tongues more than all of them. He has the gift. We'll see this in chapter 14. But Paul says, if I have the gift of language or tongues, and I do it just to dazzle for a show, it becomes a hollow performance. The Corinthians were captivated with oratory skills and eloquence. One who could speak well, they said of Paul. He's not too impressive. He's a short little guy. He doesn't use impressive flowery speech. His vocabulary seems to be limited. How could we be impressed with him? Paul says, look, I could speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but if I have not love, I'm just a whole lot of noise. Some of you heard this story, but... There was a dinner party, and uh, they had asked a famous actor, he was in the musical theater and so forth, to read Psalm 23. And he went up to the podium, and he read it with beauty, and his inflection was, was awesome, and his tone, and his emphasis, and his pregnant pauses, and oh, it was, it was breathtaking, Psalm 23. And then they asked an old pastor who was in the room to also read the psalm a little bit later. Pastor went up, his body was hurting, his voice from many years of preaching was crackly and he went up there and he read Psalm 23 and then you could have heard a pin drop. He walked back to his seat, someone commented and I think it was the actor who had first read it. He said, I read the Psalm, he knows the shepherd. And that's the difference between eloquence and power. You cannot fake love. It's either there or it's not, but it can be fanned into flame again. It can be renewed. You can return to your first love. You can repent of being cold. You can decide today that you're going to love. I'm not saying it's gonna be easy for you, but I'm saying it is the way of God. It's the way of agape. It's what drives Paul. And that love is what drove Jesus to the cross. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down for his life for us, so we ought to lay down our lives for one another. I want to be an instrument of your love, Lord. I don't want to be just a clanging symbol or a bunch of clangers. I don't want people to walk into the church and say they just, they. There's a lot of talk, but there's no love. No, let us show people your love. You're listening to True Love Part 3 on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching finishing up 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Remember to check out our thank you gift for your $20 donation on walkintruth.com. Also, remember Walk in Truth is available on podcast apps like iHeartRadio, iPodcast, and Spotify. 
please follow us and listen whenever you want. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, as we consider these aspects of love, you know, Jesus said that they will know that you belong to me, that you're my disciples by your love one for another. You see, love is a testimony of the gospel. And sometimes we might think, well, can't I just share the gospel with people and, you know, kind of just let the chips fall where they may? Well, we need to share the gospel out of love. It should be compassion that drives us to share the gospel because we want all people to know the love of Christ. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, I think it's verse 14, the love of Christ compels us compels us to speak. And so love does drive our gospel sharing. Well, hey, uh, if you work weekends, I would love to invite you out, if you can't make a Sunday church service, to our Wednesday night service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, where I serve as senior pastor. Hey, it's a great church, and our Wednesday night service is a more informal, intimate setting. And we're going through the book of Job right now. It's been an incredible study. I know you will benefit from it. We have childcare. We have a youth group for junior high and senior high that runs at the same time. We're right off the 91 and 15 freeways at 1009 Arsenal Way in the city of Corona. Download the Living Truth app in your app store. Look for the red logo with the pillars. You get info, directions, and we would love to have you come and experience one of the services. Come and worship with us Wednesday nights, 7 p.m., Sunday mornings as well. We'll see you here. And we'll catch you next time. God bless you. Tune in tomorrow for part four of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 about true love. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. As always, our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.